1: This story I'm about to tell you tonight is called This morning the doors to our apartment complex were welded shut. I'm starting to think that it was a good idea. Part 3 from user The Scandalist. Sit back, relax, and fall asleep as you listen to our tales. The beast has become more stealthy. We don't hear its roars anymore. But sometimes, after spending hours looking out the windows, I can see it lurking behind the branches in the forest. I'm convinced that it came from the forest now. It feels like at home there, spending the majority of its time there, surfacing only to take a glance at us, to check if we were still there. My fridge is already empty. Even with me rationing the food, it ran out much quicker than I expected. Luckily, I still have my grains and potatoes. Most of the old people don't seem to be complaining. I can understand why, with them surviving on their pension, they'd learned how to stretch the food until the next month. Plus, they are old and their knees are weak and brittle. They can't afford to go out for groceries every day. So they wait until they learn about some sale somewhere and then go there to stock up for a month, even if the said sale is on the other side of the town. They are probably stocked up for a few months ahead. I can't stop thinking about it. The tap water starts to taste funny too. I'm glad I've filled my bathtub to be ready for something like that. Some people are warning everyone not to drink it, and I hear all kinds of rumors as to why we shouldn't, from it having some drugs mixed into it being poisonous to take care of everyone. Personally, I don't think it's anything like that. The pipes had probably gone bad over the last week since they weren't looked after. Maxim has started organizing the militia. So far, it's very small, and we patrol only our flight of stairs and the roof, but he'd started to try and convince people from the neighboring ones to join us as well. He sounds very convincing, and I can see why people are joining him. It gives them back the illusion of control. Even though we don't have anything except for makeshift weapons, like sharpened brooms, knives, or, in my case, a hatchet for meat, people are now less scared to leave their apartments again. They trust us. I guess it reminds them of the old times when volunteer militias on the streets that looked after the neighborhood were a common thing. However, not everyone is willing to join his cause. The furthest flight of stairs to the right gave us a rather cold shoulder when we descended from the roof to tell them about our idea. We were greeted by a bunch of men, some of them were obviously drunkards, with their faces red and swollen from constant drinking, while the others had prison tattoos on them. All of them reeked of alcohol and the sounds of Blatniak, a Russian music genre that consisted mostly of obscene ballads about criminal life, played in the background. Somewhere far in the distance, I'd heard metal clanking. I didn't pay much attention to it then. Their leader, a man with gold teeth and a naked torso exposing a tattoo of an Orthodox church, spat to the ground when he heard us out, trying to play coppers here. He said with a fake grin, making sure to show us his every tooth. Look at that one, guys, he pointed at me, so young and already trash. The crowd behind him half-heartedly laughed. I felt a chill running down my spine. The looks in their eyes were dangerous. It was like staring into the eye of that beast again. It's for the greater good, Maxim said, staring at the man. We're all in danger, and we need to stick together. We can look after ourselves, the man replied, pulling a gun from behind his belt. For a moment, and we don't need anyone snooping around either. Now scram back to your corner, you bunch of faggots. I felt Maxim's hand on my shoulder. He was tugging at me, letting me know that it was time to go. I felt sick that the man could talk like that to us and get away with it, but there was nothing I could do. Bring some girls next time. One of the men shouted as we were leaving, and the crowd laughed. Well, Maxim said on our way back, it seems like we have a hota there. When he met my confused gaze, he explained, it's the place where the criminals gather after they have served their sentence to celebrate. Seems like a bunch of them got caught here with us, and they don't seem like it affected them. They seem to be partying all day long, which means, soon they will be out of food. I don't envy their neighbors. Maxim is a nice guy. I'm still not sure if he's the mysterious welder who had locked us all in. The only clue I have is the brand of cigarettes he gave me, and it's a stretch to think that he's the only one in the entire building who smokes them. While they are not exactly common, I'd seen people smoke them plenty of times. I've tried talking to him about what he thinks about the identity of the welder. Who could it be and why did he do that? And while he was talking, I was looking at his face to spot something. If you were to get nervous, that it would be a dead giveaway. But his face remained straight the entire time and he even got some joy out of speculating about who could it be and what were their motives. Either he was a very good liar or it just wasn't him. After that, Maxim had me check the basement to see whether we could escape through the sewers or if something could find its way in through them. Truth be told, I was scared to go down there. The concrete walls covered in moss and cobwebs stretching from wall to wall weren't exactly reassuring, but what really scared me were the tiny windows along the walls. They were too small to crawl through. I would barely be able to fit my head in if I tried, but I was still afraid that something could find its way in. The basement ran under all of the building, with all flights having a door leading down there so it was hard to find the hatch that led down to the sewers. When I finally found it in the far corner of the basement, I experienced a mix of emotions. It was also welded shut, which meant that nothing could get in through it dot dot dot, but also that nothing could get out. Over the last few days, we'd started hearing gunshots in the distance. It sounds like a machine gun, and I do- Bet
2: MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at- BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then
0: Every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba.
1: Out anyone in our town has won. Maybe the police have a few acts, 74 seconds. Sometimes it almost sounds like there's a war going on in the distance. It fills me with the hope that we're going to be rescued soon. But I can't help but wonder what are they shooting at for so long? I doubted that the beast outside could soak in so much ammunition. Aside from that, not much happened during that time. One day followed another, and I spent the majority of my time with Natasha. We could both use some distraction from the world around us. I was at her apartment yesterday, playing Monopoly with her when we heard confused shouts coming from the outside. Looking out the window that was overlooking our town, I felt my heart skip a bit. Someone was running away from the house. I squinted my eyes and my heart sank even more. I recognized who that was. It was the old man who had been looking for insulin. I opened the window and looked down, already knowing what I was looking for. Sure enough, it was there, a rope made out of bedsheets hanging from one of the windows on the second floor. In desperation, the man must have decided to make a break for it and rush towards the drugstore to get the insulin he needed to survive. It was either that or slow and painful death. He disappeared behind the crone of trees, and a few seconds later I heard the glass break. He must have shattered the window of the drugstore to get inside. The sound echoed across the empty streets, and Natasha shuddered in fear. I knew what she was going through, if that creature that stalked our house for the past week heard him and would no doubt come over, seeking its next prey. A few minutes later I saw him running towards the window, clutching something in his hand. Even from a distance, I could see how pale he was. He was out in the open, away from the safety of our walls, and for a moment I felt respect for the man surge rise up in my chest. He defied his odds and refused to die doing nothing. He approached the windows when we heard it, the moaning scream of the beast. Somewhere very close, the man grabbed the rope and started climbing up. He made it about halfway when his weak arms gave out and he fell to the ground. Old and frail, he was unlikely to make it even if he wasn't malnourished and weakened by his disease. He slowly got up rubbing his hip and tried climbing up again when the creature showed its head around the corner. I could finally see it with my own eyes and it was beyond my wildest expectations. It was clear that whatever it was, it was not from this world. Its front legs were thick and burly, ending with paws with long fingers that looked disturbingly similar to human fingers. The hind legs were much shorter and, once again parodying human nature, looked very similar to human legs. All of its body was covered in black, lawn thick fur except for its head, which was bald, exposing its gray skin. And at the center of its almost human-looking head, a single eye wildly rotated, seeking out its target. It stopped on the old man, and the beast let out a low growl. The man was not giving up trying to crawl up, but with his busted hip he could barely crawl one meter above the ground, and his arms alone could not pull him up. The beast must have noticed that because it didn't rush at him, instead, it took its time approaching him as if taunting the man's efforts to escape it. When it was just five meters away, the man jumped back to the ground and tried to escape, but the creature covered the distance, separating them in one quick leap. It raised its paw above him, clenching its fingers into a fist, and I looked away. But I still heard the wet splatter when its fist descended onto the man's head like a hammer, killing him instantly. At least he didn't suffer like the one before him. When I carefully looked out again, the creature and the man were both gone. The only proof that they had been there was a long bloody trail leading around the corner, towards the forest. I thought that the day was eventful enough, but last night something else happened. I woke up from the sound that had haunted me for so long that I wanted to know so much about it. The sound of someone welding something. I jumped out of my bed and listened. I was not sure where the sound was coming from. But when I looked out the window, I noticed the light coming from the roof above, somewhere from the direction where the criminals resided. I rushed out of my apartment just in time to see Maxim leave his own. He was wearing nothing but boxers, and I could see in his eyes that he was in a rush. Just like me, he wanted to learn the identity of a mysterious welder. When we got onto the roof, the welder was already gone, but not before finishing what he had been doing. The door leading down to the criminals was now reinforced with a makeshift cage gate made out of stairs railings. At that moment, I realized that the sound I'd heard before, the clanking of metal, was probably the welder working on the railings to give them the necessary shape. The mysterious welder that I'd been chasing for the past week was one step ahead of me. I now knew where he lived, and I couldn't get there. And even if I did find my way in, I'd have to deal with the criminals first. They'd let me know before that I was not welcome there. The burning question, however, was not who he was. What bugged me the most was, why did he do it? What made him install the gate on the door leading to the roof? Perhaps there was something that we didn't know about. I thought that would be it as far as the bad news went, but this morning we found one of the tenants dead on the stairwell. There were no wounds on his body, but he was foaming at his mouth, and his skin had the nastiest shade of purple. I recognized his face. It was the man who on the first day had said that he had worked as a welder in the past. His griefing wife told us that he had no history of heart diseases, which led us to a single conclusion. He was poisoned. It seems that the tap water indeed contains poison in it. Since then, we don't drink tap water anymore. I'm also convinced that they've left us electricity to lure all of the creatures to us. They want our problem, namely the problem of having too many witnesses, to take care of itself. Spread the message, people. We're here. We're still alive. Now, that was the end of my tale. I hope you enjoyed yourself, listening while escaping the world you live in. That is all for today. Safe travels, and a blessed day.